this is Danielle Krissa from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 189 of Art for Your Ear. Today is a two-for-one episode, sort of. New York-based artist Peta Coyne will be joining me for the first 15 minutes or so to kick things off, and then I will be doing a full interview with Philadelphia-based artist Sarah Detweiler, aka SD Artifacts. You probably know that from Instagram. So, did you hear last week's podcast? I kind of teased at the beginning that Peta and I have been plotting away, based on the, the amazing experience that we've had working together, over Zoom of course, since late last fall. I won't go on and on because Peta and I like to do that together. <laughs> or in tandem, one might say. Ready? Here we go. Hi, Peta. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Just fine. Just fine. I'm so excited about our ideas. I know. Me too. I think, um, well, you know, I've been talking about you to anybody that will listen since we met. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Um, we have started this weird, I I don't know. It was like the universe was like, here, you two should meet. And, um, it's been so cool. We've been meeting every two or three weeks and talking about our work and goals and all this uh, process stuff. Um, wait, do you say process? Process. Oh, it doesn't matter. People tease me for being Canadian, you know, process. But anyway, we've been talking about all of that. And then a couple of chats ago, you said, I have a thought. And why don't we just have so many women do the same thing that we're doing? Because I think this is so energizing and so smart. And, And why don't we do this and lift up many women just like we're doing? Exactly. And you know what I think is so cool? So we we were, you know, chatting about where, well, we were both in advertising for so long. So there was the joke that we're putting art in partner. And and then we came up with the idea of calling it in tandem because it's the two of us sort of working together and sharing our resources and um, knowledge and all the different things. And what I like about it so much is that it can fair, you know, I always say to people, find your tribe, find your people, but it can be daunting to try and put a group together like when you were on the podcast and you were talking about your crit groups that you had you know um in new york in the 80s and 90s and stuff that can be a bit intimidating to try and find that group especially if you're in a small town and you don't have that community so what i love about in tandem is that it's one person one person and that one person you know it's so great because you can ask a friend you can ask someone you don't know well that you would like to do this with. And we should say right off the bat, because a lot of people may not know, you're in Western Canada yeah. and I'm in New York City. So we are separated by thousands of miles. Yeah. And yet we do Zoom and we do it with our phone sometimes and you walk around your studio, I'll walk around mine. So you don't have to be close. You could write somebody that you admire and say, hey, would you like to just try this for a year? And I think it would be so great, you know, just just reach out, try. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, we were talking about this because we had our, our a call yesterday and um one of the things i was saying that is so huge for me is the accountability because yeah. if i know we have a call coming up i'm like oh man i gotta <laughs> i can't hop on the we haven't talked for two and a half weeks i can't get on and be like yeah i didn't do anything 
<laughs> you know, it's like, I gotta, I gotta actually have something to show her based on the stuff that we talked about. And so for me, it's the accountability. Um, also you're super fun to talk to, um, you know, and then, and then being able to share the different things, you know, that we both, that we're both coming to the table with. So I, I, I just think that, I don't think it would be that hard for people to find that one person, whoever it is on the other side of the planet or, or whatever you, you know, and, and right now with the, with, you know, social distancing, even if you are in the same city, you can't really get together. Yes, and it, even if it is a friend, you get together and you learn a lot, you crit each other or just talk about issues. I think it raises you up. You have this time, a marked specific time where you go to each other's studios. And it was very much like that group of 12, except it's centered down to one. Mm -hmm. And if we do this, and, and you had talked, I thought, so brilliantly about oh, let's record it. Because if everybody kind of records some of the sessions or all of the sessions, and then we have all that recorded uh, either films or, because um, you can record it uh, when it's on Zoom, and we put it all together and make a film, wouldn't that be really interesting? I think um, it's so cool. I think, yeah. And so you guys listening, what we've done is, um, Peter and I, well, we've talked about it a lot, obviously. But um, we also sort of wrote out a guide because I know um, beginning of the year, there's lots of projects, there's the 100 day project, there's this, there's that. Um, so having a guide to this, I think will help. So I've got five steps. Um, I won't read all of them. What I'm going to do is put this on my site as a post. But then if you ever want to refine it again, you can just go on to thejealouscurator.com and search for in tandem. And it, this post will come up. So the five steps I put were number one, choose your partner, partner. putting the art and partner, partner. <laughs> choose your partner. So that talks about sort of how to do that. Um, number two is make a schedule and then commit to that schedule. So decide, um, you know, like Peter and I were like, oh, should we meet once a week? And we both decided we were too busy for that. So let's meet every two weeks. Um, and we've been really good actually about sticking to it. Very much. Yeah. yeah. If, every now and then if somebody's sick or whatever, we'll reschedule, but we reschedule. We don't say, oh, well, let's figure out another day. We figure it out right then. Um, it's like a hair appointment. It's like, you're getting roots. You got to reschedule. You don't, you don't just let it go. You reschedule. Um, talking points. So I will kind of explain this one. So, um, cause Peter, you just touched on it. I think just so there's a little bit of structure for you, especially if it's a friend, because then you might end up just chatting about the bachelor or whatever. Um, you should arrive to each meeting with at least three things you want feedback on questions you have, um, whatever it is. Also, maybe showing up with what the biggest success you had between meetings and what was the biggest setback you had between meetings. Um, because that's what I found. I, I, I'll like have leaps and bounds with work, you know, with my artwork and I'll be making huge leaps and bounds, but then I'll have like mental setbacks where I'm, you know, PETA has heard me talk about money 5,000 times and I sort of panic about money and, um, you know, so you have to be honest and vulnerable on these calls and actually tell your partner what you are excited about, what you're freaking out about, because if you're not honest and you don't put it all out there, you're, this isn't going to work. You're not going to be able to move forward together or on your own or whatever. So 
I think that's really important. So if you come with those kinds of like a list of things, you'll have structure to your conversation. Hit record, so the next step, which Peter just brought up. And yeah, I think that would be so cool. So if we see this starting out in tandem as a year long experiment, let's just say one year, this is gonna be for 2021. Because we've only been chatting for a couple of months and I can't believe the difference. So it would be so interesting to see, and if we record it, the difference in people's attitudes, work, um, all of that between now and the end of 21, what happens over 12 months? And that would be A, cool to see, and B, if we made a documentary or a short film or something with all those clips, it would be so, so exciting. Um, the other nice thing about recording it is to go back and watch it. It's a little horrifying to watch yourself, but to go back and watch it and actually see what you sound like when you're presenting your work to your partner. So are you self-deprecating? Are you touching your hair and saying, um, and you know, whatever it's, it'll sort of gives you this view. It's like public speaking. It sort of lets you see like, Ooh, I need to be way more confident the way I talk about my work, you know, um, or I need to be much more direct when I give feedback. And I think watching it back really helps you with that. So I think, I think this recording, it has, you know, two, two purposes really. And then the fifth step is building a community, which is the whole point of this, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we had talked about is we we're having such an amazing time. Why should only two people have an amazing time? What if a million people sign up for that? That means there's 2 million people having amazing, <laughs> amazing time. So we're going to have a hashtag hashtag in tandem art 2021. There's nothing at that hashtag right now, so we can dominate it and, you know, share stuff from your meetings, share a post about who you picked for your partner, share the work that you're making. And then that way we're all following along on that hashtag and suddenly we can reach out to other people that are, you know, in this experiment too. And it'd be really interesting to see if starting right now it's me and PETA, how many people are going to be on that hashtag by April, by August, by December. And right there, we're going to build this community of supportive, amazing, wonderful female artists. And I just think, how can you lose? Yeah, it's really, it, it, I think it's just so special. I mean, we have a lot of ideas, but it just, I just want to see if this thing gels first. And what was really exciting was I was thinking back because I'm much older than Danielle and I've been uh, making art for a lot longer. And uh, which is nice about our discussions because uh, she's, she comes to it from a much fresher um, uh, point of view and um, but I remember in 1986 um, uh, when we um, there was a, a, a convention and it was the first sculpture convention it was like this convention in Cincinnati Ohio and they didn't think oh nobody would maybe come you know and so they had this at the uh, at the Cincinnati art um, Oh, it was the Contemporary Art Center. They did a, an exhibition of all women sculptors, and there must have been 
35 of them in there and they had all the all the really wonderful sculptors you know Louise Nevelson, Judy Pfaff and all these Ursula von Reidingsbart they had all these people in it and then they were going to set up all these um, panel discussions um, and Hannah Wilkie you know all these people and um, and so they had all these things and they weren't sure anybody was really going to come and it was amazing hundreds and hundreds of women sculptors showed up in Cincinnati. The streets were packed, the coffee houses were packed, and you'd sit down next to people that you never thought you'd meet. Like, I met so many women there, and I was on one panel, thank God, and, um, and I was uh, sitting next to Hannah Wilkie, I remember, and she was drawing the whole time, and afterwards, she picks up this drawing and she hands it to me, and she goes, for you, and I was like, Oh wow, that's so cool, you know. And um, it's it truly was an amazing um, weekend. It was three days, I think, of just it was amazing to see how many women sculptors were and people were interested in sculpture, and um, and it kind of made all of us kind of rise up because we were all so interested in and everybody was talking about sculpture and the issues you had, how you shipped it, how you moved it, how do you crate it, how do you store it. Nobody was selling it, um, you know, just all these issues. And it was so wonderful and so special. And so when uh, Danielle and I were talking and uh, I thought, you know, we have to really raise up, you know, there's so many great women artists. As I look through Instagram, I see all this work. I'm just dumbfounded by the quality and the, and the quantity. And I'm just like, wow, we have to see more of this in the galleries and the museums and all that. And so how do we do that? We just have to kind of rise up. And so I, I'm thinking, you know, how do, how do we do that? But I think if we put all of our minds together and figure this out, so I think this is the beginning of it. This is the beginning, you know, this is kind of the roots of it. So, um, so let's just start, right? And this yeah, that was, that was step six, go. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think you're exactly right. Like, let's get it going. This is the beginning. We'll see what happens if we can get the wheels moving. And then, yeah, why can't we have, you know, um, a big uh, show? Yeah, a big show. Or why, why can't we have a conference in, you know, Cincinnati? Yeah. Or, Cincinnati or, or New York Seattle. <laughs> or Seattle or LA or wherever we want. As soon as, you know, pandemics and stuff are over. That's why I think 21 is a really nice little, well, God, how many times have we said bubble in the last, it, nice little like incubator for us to do this. And then all the amazing women that are going to join are going to have ideas too that say, actually, I could host a retreat or no, 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 we could do this. We could do this online. We could have a huge Zoom, blah, blah, blah. Actually, I'm a documentary filmmaker. Let's gather all this stuff and I'll, I'll take this bull by the horns. You know, so I think it's unlimited potential and I'm I think it's so exciting because you and I have had such an amazing experience and we've just, we've just dipped our toe in to our new relationship. So who knows? Yeah. So, um, I hope everybody else has such a, such a great time too. So we'll know, we'll find out how everyone does. So good luck. Yeah. So go to my site, uh, the jealouscurator.com. There's going to be a post there with, um, the podcast 
post for this weekend as well. It'll be either before or after it. So it'll be sitting there. But as it kind of gets buried in the blog post, you can just search for it. There's a search bar on the left. You just type in in tandem and all the sort of rules and, well, not rules, but like the little loose guide that we've got here will be there for you. Um, and so really right now, just start thinking about who you want your partner to be <laughs> and away we'll go, right? Yeah, super great. And good luck and have fun. That's yes. the most important. Have fun and raise your work up and, and enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. yeah, so many artists are, I mean, it's a whole thing about artists being, you know, alone in their studios. And, and this is all about not being alone and raising everyone up together. So um, I think it could be really powerful and amazing. Just remember, everybody has something to give. Everyone does. So if you think, oh, I have nothing, you, everyone has something to give. And, uh, and be generous. Everybody be generous. That's the most yeah, Absolutely. You know, that was one thing I, I was thinking, like, when we started this, I was like, God, what, what do I have to offer PETA? And, um, but, you know, it's been really cool. Like, just yes. the things I know that I didn't even know you knew. I knew that were that would benefit you that were things you didn't know and so it's um it is a very much a two-way street it's not like a mentorship type situation it is a two-way street two women sharing their knowledge with each other to lift everybody up I mean I just it makes me get all emotional it's great it is great well thank you so much for coming on so that we could talk about that together Yep. Let's all go watch that hashtag in Tandem Art 2021 and we'll see this community start to grow. And we'll check in on you guys. Uh, yes, we will. And see how you're doing. So good luck, okay? Thanks, Bye -bye. Peta. Bye. Yay! Bye. Bye. So fun, right? Now, you're probably already thinking about who you could reach out to. And if you're not sure, just do what I always do. Pour yourself a giant coffee and start writing lists. I have posted the In Tandem Guide on my site um, at the same time that this episode went live. So it is there waiting for you. It's the post right before um, Sarah's podcast post. I cannot wait to see where this takes all of us. Now, I'm not sure who said this fabulous quote, but I'm going to repeat it. Empowered women empower women. So good and true. Oh, and of course, by women, we mean anyone who identifies as female. All right, and now, speaking of female artists, I wrote about Philly-based Sarah Detweiler for the first time in 2017. Then I curated her into a few shows, uh, and now she's doing a painting of me for her Hidden Mother series. So exciting. This, of course, begs the question, what took me so long to get her onto the podcast? Well, she's on today, so I am correcting the error of my ways. <laughs> we are covering everything, everything from 9-11 and miscarriages to mothers draped in tablecloths and whether or not we have skinny dipped. Spoiler alert, we both have. Anyway, brace yourselves because, as we discovered, both Sarah and I are oversharers. <laughs> What happens when you give two oversharers a podcast mic? Well, have a listen. Calling Sarah in Philadelphia. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to Art for Your Ear. <laughs> Thanks, Danielle. 
This is very surreal. We are actually looking at each other on Zoom, which is very exciting yeah. because we have known, quote unquote, each other for years now, really. Yes. I think I looked up the first time I wrote about you was in 2017, but that yeah. doesn't seem right. That seems like it should have been even longer ago. No, and I actually, dis I only discovered you about, because um, I made a little timeline. <laughs> I love it. I do that. <laughs> I really like to reflect on like anniversaries and dates and when things happen. So um, yeah, I think it was like about five years ago that I discovered you. Oh, okay. It hasn't been that long. Yeah. And then, yeah. So then I wrote about you in 2017 and fell in love immediately. And then, um, and then here we are somehow. And, and now you're doing a painting of me, which we will get to later. Okay. So <laughs> wait, I, wait, before we start, okay. can I just gush about you for a second? Oh my gosh. Of course, please, please. <laughs> I just just, have to do you have a timeline of all my awesomeness? <sighs> I do actually kind of like how you've affected my life, but <laughs> no, I just like you cause you deserve it. First of all, I think, you know, I've let you know before, like what an impact you've had on my life, but I know I'm not alone. So that's why I just want to like take a moment. I mean, I like you have been with me through so many of the mundane like activities, driving to the grocery store, doing dishes. You've like done so many dishes with me. <laughs> I wondered why my hands were so wrinkled. And it's just like, I, like I needed you. You were there at that point in early motherhood where I was just like, in my, like, if I was making art, if I had the energy, I was alone. And I was like, who cares? Does anyone care? And you, like, especially because you've interviewed so many um, artist mothers, like, just that gave me hope. And, and then, uh, when you featured me on your blog, it just obviously rocked my world. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And actually, that's very interesting because if you started following about five years ago, your daughter is five, about to turn six. So you were home with a new baby. Yeah. And I was, I was making art, but I wasn't like, I wasn't uh, in the practice that I'm in now. Yeah, no. Well, because you can't, like, it's so hard. You're it is a full-on job, new motherhood, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. I will take all of the gushing. Yeah. I'm very, <laughs> no, I, I, I love that you're part of this community and um, it's been so fun to watch you because oh, it, it just happened in leaps and bounds. Like once you got going, it was just like, oh my God, get out of her way. Like here <laughs> she goes. So um, we are going to get to all of that, but I want to know what little Sarah was like. Um, were were you artsy? What were you like? Oh yes, yeah. Little Sarah was was sass. That's my family nickname. Oh, I love it. It, <laughs> it comes from um, sassafras, but then my personality came out, and I was sassy and sass. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I uh, yes, I was always artistic. Actually, I was thinking like I have a vivid memory of being in preschool. And like the, the, um, I still remember what the space looks like and everything, but, um, like free play time when all the other kids are playing with all the toys and everything. I remember being at the easel painting. Wow. Um, yeah. So, 
uh, I have a twin sister. Did you oh, know no, I didn't know that. Um, yes, her name's Kate. Um, and she is like, I very quickly took on the, uh, art <laughs> artist, family yeah. artist, weirdo role. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys identical or fraternal? No, we're fraternal. Oh, okay. We're very different. So funny. She's, she's an introvert. I'm an extrovert, like just different interests and yeah. So funny, but you were but, womb mates. Womb mates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you were the weird artsy one. And so, so what did your parents think of that? Well, um, they, neither of them, my dad's an engineer and my mom was a Spanish teacher until she had kids and then she was a stay at home mom. Um, and my dad's dad was an artist. So I have like, I, like, he's the one that taught me how to draw portraits um, and stuff like that. But that being said, um, my parents didn't really know much about art, but they were always so supportive. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. They, uh, I was really lucky. They like, as soon as, um, they saw my interest and I was serious about it, they would sign me up for classes over the Mm. summer. And so what was your thing? Was painting your thing or did you just make everything? So I just liked making things. Like I remember, um, in the back of one of those like magazines, I don't know if it was Teen Beat or I was probably younger than that. It was some kind of magazine. Like you could send the shipping costs and like coins yeah. and get a little craft project. Like I remember making a little pom pom owl for yes, you know, like yeah. stuff like with a little felt feet. Yes, yeah. and um, yeah. So I just like always loved making stuff. I even playing out in the snow like my my sister and my brother would be sledding and doing that stuff I still remember sculpting a mermaid and using like lifesavers to color the lips and <laughs> wow hashtag yeah. next level <laughs> I know I kind of feel like I need to I need to try that out again I think you should and it's delicious <laughs> yeah. oh, my oh yeah I um and I think like in, in elementary school in fifth grade, there was a, a contest to design this banner for that. We used to go to this uh, college settlement camp. It was like a week at the, in like nature and all this stuff. And each class that went would have a banner hung in the big banquet hall or whatever. And um, my design won. Oh, um, so I would go in, I think it was because my sister was running around telling everybody at lunch to vote for me, but <laughs> Um, yeah, so I would go in during recess with the art teacher and, uh, work on it with him and everything. And, um, that's so awesome. That is art kid to the core. Did you think that that would be your path as a grown up, or did it just not, did you not think of it that way? I don't know. My mom always tells me that I wanted to be a waitress and a ballerina. Sure. At the same time, I assume? Um, Yeah, well, she was like, that's actually very realistic because you probably would have to be waiting tables if you (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. How old were were you when that was your plan? Oh, I don't know. That was probably... 25? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was probably around uh, six or something. So, yeah. yeah. But I always wanted to do art in some way. Yeah. My son's plan when he was about that age was... um, he wanted to be 
Which way did it go? He wanted to be a fisherman in the morning and a spy in the afternoon. Ooh. Yeah, because he figured the fishing, you can't really fish in the afternoon. The fish bite in the morning. So he'd get his fishing yeah. over with in the morning. And then the people you need to spy on are probably asleep still in the morning. So then if you're yeah. a spy in the afternoon, you know, it's just like good a, time management. Yeah. And spying, I mean, what about the night? I feel like spying is more of a night thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he could like have a little siesta in the afternoon and then get <laughs> cracking on the spy work in the evening. But he probably wanted to make his bedtime. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I love it. I love the picture. Love I've got a picture of a of a ballerina waitress in my mind right now, and I'm kind of loving it. I have to say. Oh, that's nice. That's quite a picture. <laughs> um, and so, so through high school, you were probably still the art kid. Oh yeah. So I uh, I started um, art club in oh high school with my uh, friend Pam, and. <laughs> And then uh, I did like a ton of murals in the school. Um, Where did you grow up? Were you you're in the, around Philadelphia now? Is yeah, that where you grew up? so Westchester. Um, it's a suburb outside of Philly. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it's Ches- Chester County is the county which people may know just because of the Wyeths, like Andrew Wyeth. You know? Do you know these artists? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I should write this they're, down. Though. They're they're from this area, so oh, okay. Um, I don't know if you know the painting Christina's World, where the girls in the field looking up towards. Oh the yes, house. yes, yes. Of course, that's yeah. Andrew Wyeth. So, oh, okay, okay. So that's kind of what Chester County is known for too, is like because the Wyeths are from here. But, uh, um, yeah. So I grew up. Um, I'm living back now where I grew up. In, okay. And so, were you thinking in high school? Yep, for sure, going to art school. Uh, no. I mean, I knew I wanted to do art in school, but I went to, um, so my parents signed me up for, during the summers of high school, I would go into Philadelphia, take the train in and take classes at, um, Moore College of Art, um, and Tyler. So those are two art schools in Philadelphia and they had, um, summer programs for high school kids. Um, but I actually like, I kind of knew I didn't want to go to art school because I kind of wanted to be the weird kid at a school with a lot of normal people. And I knew there would be too com- too much competition. It's filled with weird I- people. How am I going to stand up? That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Oh my God. So yeah. So I went to University of Delaware, which is a very, <laughs> and I was an art major. Were you weird? Were you one of the weirdos or? I mean, I I guess I'm weird, but I, I don't know. I was too, in high school, I was too um, insecure to, to be as weird as I wanted to be. Like I, like everybody, a lot of people in my high school, like dressed in gap clothes and it was very, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I know that I always looked at the kids that were wearing Doc Martens and all, you know, and all that stuff and being like, oh yeah, I wish I could do that. But I think like the the most I had the guts to do was like wear a tie-dyed shirt every once in a while. Or something. <laughs> Pam, what do you think of this for our for our club uniform? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know, wouldn't it be kind of fun? Well, not to go back to high school, but to if you could go now and just do whatever you like, just dress yeah. how you wanted, and, you know, not worry oh. about what people think. And- yeah. Yeah. It would be nice. I think more, that is sort of more how it is in high school now. Like I dropped my son off at high school. There's 
and we're in a tiny town and he's going to the same high school I went yeah. to, which is super duper weird. That's gotta but be weird. It's really weird. And a lot <laughs> of my friends are his teachers or my teacher's children have become teachers. And that's, oh, wow. it's super weird, but there's the, it runs the gamut. Like of how people are dressing. I think in our generation, it was very gap. Like, yeah, there was a uniform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So you go, you're an art major at the university of Delaware. Yes. And what I you went, go- so I went, I went to, um, for their visual communications program. So okay. I don't even know if you know I have a background in like you in in advertising and graphic design. No, I did not know that. Um, yeah, so I was introduced to it. I think um, I was very close with my art teacher in high school, who I'm still close with now. And um, I think computer art was introduced my junior senior year of mm-hmm. high school, and it was you know this new thing, and she was teaching it, and she really wanted me to take it, and I remember thinking like oh, I don't know art on the computer like it's kind of yeah, that doesn't count it's not real, but I, I did it because I love thing. her and she wanted me to do it so, <laughs> and and I liked it so and my parents who were always like so supportive but I, obviously they wanted me to take the art in a direction where you know I could actually make a living too. yeah um. So I went, um, University of Delaware actually has a really um, good competitive uh, visual communications program. So I went there for that, but I had to do all the foundation okay, classes yeah. freshman year. And then you actually have to apply to get into that program. Oh. And then they, it's really cutthroat. So they, then they would cut the program in half. Or, I've heard about that at some school. Like every yeah. year it gets cut and cut, right? Yeah. yeah. And basically if you don't make it in then you've lost like your credits don't transfer like you can't oh dear god yeah yeah that's so stressful um yeah it was pretty pretty hardcore but wow. that's but I but I made it through I focused in <laughs> I focused in advertising design so yeah. there was like the graphic design within the program and the advertising design so we I was doing more of like the storyboards coming up with concepts for ad campaigns and stuff like that and so did you love it I did yeah yeah were you still making um art like were you painting stuff on the side or were you just sort of yeah I yeah I've always um still been making art on the side but you know I I mean that was like the days of all-nighters and stuff where most of it was was um focused on on the uh, advertising stuff. And so did you work in advertising? I did. I, how did I not know any of this? Because it's like, I, because I'm like a cat. I've had like nine lives <laughs> in my art career. <laughs> so um, what, you started as an art director somewhere? So uh, this was the days of, I graduated in, in 2001. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was the days of monster.com. You guys have that in Canada? Yep. Um, (laughs) And so we, it was also when like the, all the dot-com crash, it was like the absolute worst time to be going into my field. Awesome. (laughs) And um, I knew I wanted to move to New York. I already had plans like where I was going to move into with friends and, and, uh, and I remember someone from my program was like, yeah, well, there's one junior uh, like entry level position on monster.com but it's not like it's not a great 
job. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. I need a job. I'll take it. So, um, and I got it. Wow. And, um, it was for real estate advertising. So it was like so different from what I thought when I was in school. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but it, but it was a job, you know, and I like, I came from a place where we would thinking I was going to have these brainstorming sessions and come up with these awesome conceptual ideas. And they were like, yeah, whatever we just need, you know, yeah. <laughs> we oh, just need no. you to make this building look good or, <laughs> but you were I, in New York. Did you, are you moved to New I York? Was, okay. So get this. I moved to New York the week before September 11th. <gasps> and I was like, it was like my fifth day on my job. September oh. 11th. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Were you anywhere near it? No, I was on, uh, I was on 42nd and 2nd at the time, which is like near, um, yeah, it's, it's far enough away, but I still remember, I actually lived in Hoboken, New Jersey yeah. for, um, while working in New York, a lot of people would do that. And, um, so my whole commute was underground pretty much. It was like a path train that would take you under, under the Hudson river. And then, um, so basically, and then I was, I transferred to a subway. So it was, it was close to an hour of a commute. And when I came up, um, and I was on the street waiting for the light to change, some guy said something to me about a plane hitting whatever. I was like, what, what are you talking about? And he said, look up. So I could see the smoke. And that was oh, when okay. the first, that was when the first plane hit. Um, I went into my office building and then, you know, we were just all like, what, what's going on? We didn't. You know. Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah. Then the day, the rest of the day was, uh, it was very, it was really weird because first of all, I didn't know all these people that well right. that I was working with. Right. And we just, I don't know. It was just like this human nature thing that everybody it happened downtown. Everybody just started walking uptown. Right. And I think like a bunch of people from my job ended up uh, just parking, parking it in some bar and we were just watching the TV and like the one person whose cell phone actually still had service, we would call like our family and tell them they were okay. And, um, but it was, it was very surreal because we were there all day. I couldn't get home until late that night. And, um, as the day was going on, like the people walking uptown, it was like the people had been walking all day were covered in the ashes and everything. You would just see, Oh, it was, it was crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. And what did your parents think? You've just moved to New York. I know. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, they, they, it, they didn't tell me to come back or anything, <laughs> Oh. but yeah, I'm sure they were freaking out a little bit. I mean, it helped that I, the first call that I made, um, before all the phone lines went down, I called my dad and told him that I was safe. And then yeah. he was able to call my mom and tell her. So they at least knew I was okay, but yeah. Oh my word. Well, that's a way to get to New York and experience. Like that's <laughs> yeah. crazy. What a story. I mean, I, I was in Toronto when that happened and I remember seeing it on the like I was, uh, the, we have a, a station that shows you in Toronto that had like the weather in the bottom and the news right here and then the commute information. So you could just sort of check yeah. this one channel. And I saw the first, they were showing the first plane hitting. 
and I was, you know, getting dressed and whatever. And I was thinking, well, you know, you're thinking it's going to be a tourist, like a, a sightseeing plane or whatever it yeah, was. And then yeah, I saw the second it. one hit and I was just like, what? And it was so weird being in, and we worked right downtown Toronto. And so Greg, my now husband, he was my boyfriend at the time and we worked together. So he picked me up and he didn't know because he'd been in the car driving to come get me. Oh, okay. And I was like, look what happened. And so we went right down Toronto, downtown Toronto. We're like right beside the CN Tower and all the big tall buildings. So I went to my advertising agency and um, and they sent us all home just in case because they didn't know what yeah. other city's going to be targeted or whatever. So they sent us all home. And my mom was flying that day. Um, and I, I didn't know where my mom was. Like it was, yeah, just everyone has their story and their, you know, where they like, where they were and wow your story is insane like five days yeah it was it was yeah the week before I had moved there wow and I was probably so crazy. my fifth day on the job yeah um all right well how long did you last at your real estate okay job? so <laughs> longer than I thought um <laughs> well <laughs> I was not always for, the way <laughs> I was I was there for five years let, let me say though that like the like the actual work was soul sucking but like I remember there was one <laughs> We did a lot of uh, um, residential apartment yeah. buildings and stuff like that. And uh, I remember there was one building that was near a nuclear power plant. Oh. And they were just like, okay, so we really need to push the amenities. Oh, my God. Oh, my like, what? Keep your windows closed. Wear this silver suit. <laughs> we have great appliances. <laughs> Um, but the people that I worked with are amazing. Like I still, the creative director that, um, was there is still, he's like my mentor, like still, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah. We're still really close. And a lot of people, uh, but there were a lot of good people working there that I still am in touch with. But, um, I actually ended up after five years there, I, I had pigeonholed myself into real estate advertising at that point. So I moved to another real estate advertising agency and, um, I lost that job. Uh, oh yeah. Cause now it would have been creeping up on recession time probably. Right. Well, no, I, I mean, the truth is, is that I actually got fired. <laughs> oh, <laughs> too much sass. No, I think, <laughs> I think maybe the sass was like, what kept me there. No, it was, it was like, well, you know, cause you, you have a background in this. It was basically, um, I was, I was the manager of this group and there was a big printing error. Like somehow it got through like thousands of dollars were spent printing material and there were logos missing from the back oh. and somebody had to take the fall and that was me. Oh no. But it was actually a blessing because it was my out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was like, okay, well, fresh start. <laughs> So what was your first start? What, what did you do? Oh, so, I always wanted to have my own business. Um, and I started a uh, silkscreen t-shirt design business with my friend. Pam. No, not <laughs> Pam. <laughs> um. Was it still and, in New York? Did you were you still? Did you yeah, still in New York? so I was yeah. I was living in I was living in Hoboken, okay, um, which is just right across the river, so yeah. it's like an extension or whatever. But um, yes, I was still in that area, and uh, 
yeah, we, I moved into a, um, an apartment and we set up shop and hustled and I like, we did the designs and then we got screens made and I printed them all in my apartment. And then I would go and, uh, sell them at this, uh, in Soho, there was this young designers market out of a gym and a, a church, but it was like one of those, <laughs> it was like one of those places, like we would have like celebrity. It was like one of those underground things, like the up and coming designers would go there. So like, I remember Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio came in one time and bought a t-shirt from another guy. And there was like, ah, you know, wow. you always wanted the celebrity to come to your table and yeah, buy a no t-shirt kidding. and then you have to get a picture of them wearing it. But, um, <laughs> it was a hustle. It was crazy. and. On the, I was also doing like all kinds of stuff just to be able to, you know, I mean, like uh, working, I worked at an antique shop part time, I would sell any art, I would make art and try, like do this affordable art thing. Uh, I was still doing freelance, I would go into my old agency actually part time, and, wow. uh, and do some freelance and uh, I did that for a few years, I can't even believe it lasted that long. And then I realized that to actually make it a success, the business part of it was going to have to be most of it. And I just wanted to do the creative part. Right. Yep. So I, uh, did some soul searching (laughs) again (laughs) and, um, actually what a, a big part of my story is that I was, I got sober when I was 24. So, um, that was, that was a big reason why I stayed in that real estate job because they weren't firing me. <laughs> Maybe <I should've. laughs> but, um, I, yeah, so I, uh, had been sober for, I, I forget how many years at that point, but, um, I was so sick of commercialism, mm. Like the advertising and the marketing and even the t-shirts, it became me just making one more thing, one more product for people to buy. Mm-hmm. And I, it was just like so oversaturated. I think that, um, and I was just like, ah, oh, I just want to, just want to like make a difference. I just want to help people. So I remember I had a conversation with my AA sponsor and I said, what do you think about, uh, me becoming a drug and alcohol counselor? And she was an artist too. So she was amazing. Cause she, she said, um, I think that's great, but you can't do something that doesn't involve your art. Hmm. And that is when I found art therapy. Yes. I saw that, that you have a master's in creative yeah. arts therapy from Pratt. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I had no, see, this is why you had to come on the podcast. I knew <laughs> none of this stuff. Um, okay, so tell me all about that. All right. Well, that was, uh, I applied to that program, not really knowing too much about what um, art therapy was, but I was like, hey, sounds good to me. Get to help people. Art <laughs> therapy. Art. Yeah. Yeah. Like it that. works. Yeah. yeah. And also, you know, on a deeper level, like my art was such a huge part of my sobriety and getting Mm -hmm. me through, like it really was. So, I mean, in many ways it saved me. So, um, so I knew the power of it, the healing power of art. Um, so yeah, 2009 to 2011, I did my master's program 
Wow. And so what did you think when you got into it? Was it like, like when I actually learned what it was? Yeah. <laughs> um, <Fun. laughs> oh, it was amazing. I, I loved it. The program itself at Pratt was just life changing. And there's different, um, there's different programs out there. So some of them are more like Pratt had an experiential program. So it was, it was, uh, and then there was other programs that tend to focus more on the, um, I don't want to say academic, but clin more clinical. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I was definitely always less clinical. Um, and there was different modalities and things like that. So some, it's a, you know, it's a psychotherapy, but, um, the way that you, they use it, um, like it can be used for diagnoses, but mm. also just the act of, of, you know, it's an expressive therapy that, so, um, and, you know, it's easier for people a lot of times to have that like the art can be the thing that they can talk through. Right. Yeah, I've heard it's amazing really... with children and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. To express themselves or like people that don't have their language skill, like if their language skills are affected by whatever they're going through, that the art can really, really help. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So. And did you um, find that it was impacting your own? Like you must have been learning so much even about yourself through. The... Oh, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That program was worth every penny just for like the life changes that, I mean, I came out of it a completely different person. Yeah. In a good way. Not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so did you do, did you, um, is there like a practicum? Like, did you get to, did you work with? Um... Yeah. So you, you do internships both years. Oh, okay. um, I always knew I went to work with adults. A lot of people uh, actually don't even realize that art therapy is used with adults. A lot of people just automatically go to the kids. But I think I knew, I knew I wanted to be a mom someday. Mm -hmm. And I feel like uh, part of me knew that I wanted that experience to be with my children. Like, I, I just thought it would probably be hard for me to, mm. you know. Um, so I worked with adults. Uh and I, my first job was, uh, I only worked in the field for a year and a half, actually, after I, I graduated. Um, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Adult inpatient psych in a really rough neighborhood in Brooklyn. And um, yeah, that was, that was intense. Yeah, I can imagine. A friend yeah. of mine, a friend of mine um, did art therapy in a, um, in a psych ward in a hospital in L.A., Oh yeah. And so she said probably. like, so, so rewarding, but just so all consuming. Like, how do you, yeah, how do you it put was, that aside when you get home? Well, you don't, I mean, yeah. I, it was, yeah, it was pretty, it was a pretty traumatic experience. Um, I, I, I had, you know, a lot of really fulfilling experiences too with working with some of the patients, but um, yeah, I was assaulted. Uh, oh uh, like there was, I mean, there was a point where I was coming home to my husband, just like hysterical every day. I'm like, this isn't, see, <laughs> like, this is the way it should be, you know? Yeah. And not like not enough funding to, to give all of these, um, the treatment team, like the support that they need, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh my so. gosh. Okay. Yeah. And so through all of that, were you still making art for yourself? Or oh you yeah. So when I went back into, when I went into the art therapy program, that's what kind of ignited um, my fine art practice. Mm. I mean, no, that's not true. I was, I was doing things, but that, uh, yeah. And also a lot of people that go into art therapy, uh, not everybody as, is as like into a, um, having a, a fine art practice. Right. You know, as I was like, that was always important to me. I think a lot, cause it's so much about process. Mm -hmm. And for me that like, I always wanted to be a showing artist and, you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was still working on all of that and, but I wasn't, I wasn't really like showing that much in New York or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was making a lot. And were you sort of still figuring things out? Um, like, did you know what you wanted to be creating? Like right now you're, you're, I mean, when I found you, your work was very different. Yeah. Yeah. It was different, <laughs> but it was solid. Like you were, you, you know, you were exploring a theme or whatever. And then now you are as well. And it's just getting better and better and better. So back then, um, like when you were I was starting, all over the place, were you? Okay. I yeah. Yeah. Cause um, you would think that you'd be all over the place too. Like just not only in your art, but like just sort of something so new and figuring all of this out and transitioning careers that yeah. you would think that your art would reflect the same kind of chaos really. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I should get my art like therapy license. I know. I just said that. <laughs> I was say that sounds like something an art therapist would say, yeah. Danielle. <laughs> Um, <laughs> lie down on this couch. Let's take this to a, a new level. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, uh, I was, I've been all over the place with my art like forever. And, and it was not until I became a mother hmm. that, I mean, I didn't even have a series. I couldn't even do more than two, two things that would, could have be considered a series. That's how I, I was too. That's around. how I was too. I couldn't, yeah. I just kept jumping around and it's, I hated that feeling. Yeah. I knew but that I couldn't I, figure out what the thing was. Yes, exactly. So did your husband say you need to quit this job when you were? No, well, I mean, actually it all worked out kind of perfectly because, um, we decided after we got married, um, that we were going to, and we knew we wanted to start a family and we knew we didn't want to do it in New York. We were both kind of done with that. My husband was, uh, he has a background in um, theater and set design. Wow. Um, and he was like, he was building fashion shows and stuff like that. And, um, but we were both, we had both done the, the New York hustle thing for so long. We were kind of over it. Mm -hmm. So um, we decided to move back to where I was from. And then how soon after you guys moved, did you have your daughter? So we moved in November of 2013. Uh, she was born January of 2015. So oh, okay. it wasn't too long. And so when you had her, what was it, do you think, about becoming a mother that sort of shook you up and changed your artwork? Um, yeah, I hear, I hear so many other artist moms with a similar path. Like for the number one thing I think is time. Yeah. Um, time becomes so much more precious. 
so you don't really have time to like mess around or you know and I actually got into the watercolor because I needed because um, I always worked in uh, you know painted with oil oh oh I actually use water mixable oils do you know about those yeah 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 um, I've been working with them for years because I was working in like a bedroom in my small apartment or whatever. And I also can't handle the fumes of turpentine and stuff very yeah, well. So. Yeah. so yeah, so I was always painting with those, but when, after I had my daughter, I think it was, um, around six weeks after she was born, I finally, uh, picked up, a. I I just needed to make something and, but I needed it to be something I could sit on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not have a setup in the yeah. studio. And, uh, and I remember just pulling out some watercolors and so that I could just do it right there. And I also needed to, I needed to be able to finish a painting in a night. Yeah. And have like that finished product so that I feel like I accomplished something. Yeah. Um, so that's how I got into watercolor. I actually always hated watercolors before they really intimidated <laughs> me. <laughs> And what were you doing? Were you doing figurative stuff or no? Yeah, I've always, I've always yeah. done figurative stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to your grandpa? I mean, probably he had some, yeah. some influence, right? Yeah. I mean, he did a lot of, he did a lot of landscapes. He actually would always would like, while he was alive, he always was like, when are you going to do a landscape? <laughs> like, it's not my thing, pop up. <laughs> So funny. My mom is an amazing portrait artist. She can, she could sit down I've and draw you work. perfectly. I've, yeah. I've seen her. So I remember I being I little her. and being so frustrated because I could not, I was artsy and I made lots of things, but I couldn't do that. Yeah. You know, and you certainly can. Um, and so, um, okay. So then I, I wrote about you in 2017 and it, your work felt very like, like you had a thing going, like it was certainly wasn't all over the place. Like you had a series going by then. Yeah. I mean, I, if I look back now, I still feel like it was a little, I was figuring it out. Like yeah. you said, like you find that thing. So my, um, my thing was when I started incorporating the embroidery. Yeah. When and I think that? that's probably what, what you, I think that's when I, I think I found you right around when, right yeah, when I started that. Mm -hmm. So, um, had you ever embroidered before that? Yeah. I, well, I, I actually was a very avid cross-stitcher as a oh. kid. Yeah. <laughs> I have like the, tra <laughs> the traditional samplers and like these really large pieces that I would do, which is yeah. kind of funny because like one of the things that I don't like about cross-stitch or I don't like following instructions in general in life. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I'm picking up on that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, like the counted, cro I mean, it's called counted cross stitch. That's a, like another thing. I, if I crochet, I'll, all I ever make is a blanket or a scarf because I don't like having to count and follow the patterns. Right. So I'm shocked that I actually had the discipline to do that as a child. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I did have experience with it. But what made you decide to put thread in there? Like, what was the, so that was actually, um, I, uh, I used my art for healing, uh, for, you know, obviously I've mentioned that. So, so before my daughter Mia was born, um, I had a miscarriage. Mm. Oh no, wait, actually this was, 
this was after she was born. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, so I did this, this piece. I just needed to like work it, work through it. And I did a painting that was very different from anything that I was doing. And it was, it was, actually was on raw canvas and I, I painted on raw canvas and, um, I, it was figurative, but I remember it needed something more. And that's when I actually embroidered into it mm -hmm. for the first time, because I felt like it was like this literal, like I was mending myself, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that I did it. And then, but I was working in watercolor at the time. And then I just kind of had this like aha moment because I loved the process of embroidery too. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is great. I love the, I love like being able to jump back and forth depending on what mood I'm in. Yeah. And um, so I love when I have like a couple things going and one is in the embroidery stage and one's in the painting stage and be like, well, what do I, what mood am I in tonight? So, I, so um, I was like, let me try this out on paper. And that was, that was the work that you, one, one of my very first pieces of the embroidery on a watercolor was one of the things that you, wow. that you shared. That's crazy. Well, cause I think I was so like, I loved it because I had been doing the same. I'd been stitching onto paper. Oh, that's well, right. Yeah. But you did it so much better that I was like, well, I better write about this. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but mine was because I incorporate started incorporating thread when Charlie was born because I had gone from being this creative director in right. that ad, ad agency. Um, I quit when he was born and so suddenly I was at home and I was supposed to be domestic. I've never, like, we ate out for years. Like, I'd never cooked. I'd never done anything domestic. And suddenly I was this mom. And, I, and my mom was very domestic. She was an at-home mom. And I was like, I remember having this breakdown when he was like six <laughs> weeks old. It was probably the rush of hormones. But I was like, I don't have a good cookie recipe. I don't know how to <laughs> sew. Like, I like all these things that I like freaked out about. And so I did this whole, well, I, I called it a series. It was not. It was a series in that it had the same title, but it was yeah. all over the place called Type A Mama because I was trying to combine my creative director stuff with trying to suddenly be domestic. Yeah. And I was just having the hardest time. Like, I remember Greg came home one day from work and I had burned the shit out of these cookies and they'd melted all together and then <laughs> burned. And he came home and I'm bawling about these cookies. And he's like, what's going on? I'm like, and Charlie was like, say, like a month, you know, month or two old, and I was like, "How can I be a mother when what if there's a bake sale? What if there's a bake? like he's an infant? Like there won't be a bake sale for like five years, you know?" I was like, "Oh my god, I'm a failure!" And so I was in, like trying to get the embroidery thread, all of these things that seemed domestic or like like a mother should know how to do. And so I was always so curious about why your thread got in there, but that's so interesting about the mending. And so that, yeah. you had a, did you have any miscarriages before Mia was born? Yeah, I had one. That's why I, I, um, I had one before her. Okay. And then I had, um, six after. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. I mean, I mean, it's been, a, it actually has been a huge part of my, cause I've always used art to kind of, um, heal from each one too. So like a lot of my work that I have out there is, uh, 
is related to that. Is that how, is, is that what the hidden mother work is about? Um, no, the hidden mother, but my very first hidden mother, which actually is coming up the year anniversary of my very first hidden mother piece is this month. Wow. That's how, I mean, it hasn't been that long since no. I've been doing it, but, um, that one was called the, um, hidden grieving mother. Mm-hmm. And that one, um, is about miscarriage. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of the, um, a lot of the, the work that I've actually made about, um, about all of that is just kind of like, I mean, it's in my personal collection now. I've shown some of it. I think I showed one at um, Uncommon Thread. Yeah, I know that. I was going to talk about that because so I wrote about you and instantly loved you. And then um, it wasn't that long after that, I feel like, that I, I curated a show um, in California. Yeah, at BG Gallery. At BG Gallery, and um, it was called Uncommon Thread. Uncommon Threads. Yeah, and it was a whole bunch of women who were working um, in really interesting, different ways, using thread in some way or textiles in some way. And so um, yeah. I curated your work into that show. And um, wow, that's crazy. So did it feel? I mean, I love that you used art as a way to deal with that and to help you with that, did it feel really vulnerable then putting it into a show, like putting those things into a out in the world or did it feel like that's where they should go? Uh, yeah, no, I've always, uh, sharing my work is so much part of my process, Mm. but it's also, but talking about it too, like with the, I'm very open about, you know, the miscarriages and everything. And, uh, but that's because that's what helps me right. heal. Yes. And the, the one thing I think is like, it's hard because I've, you know, I've talked to so many women that have been through it and it seems like when people are open about it, they get praised for it. But I also feel like it's important to remember that some people can't, yeah, can't talk about it. Right. You know? So, so I, I just like to emphasize that me being open about it and talking about it is because that's what is healing for me. But you right. can't you, you can't tell people how to grieve, right? No, absolutely not. Um, um so the first one was about was called the grieving mother. Um I'll put it in the post that we that I do on the site. But okay. can you tell people what the what hidden mothers are for the people that don't know? Because I didn't know when yeah. you, when you and I it's just the craziest thing. I, I know. 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 And let me say okay, so the I I don't know when I first heard about it, but I didn't start making work about it until like a couple years after. I first uh, found out about it and it was like one of those blogs or something that um, just talked about some like weird things, you know? (laughs) So the hidden mother is, that's actually the title that's been given to the um, the Victorian photography trend where (laughs) I know it's it's so wild. Um, you, everybody has to look it up. I'm going to put it in the post so that I'm going to put a few, cause you sent me a few yeah. samples of it. I'm going to yeah. put it in because it's, it's nutty. Yeah. But go on. Um, so back when they had the, you know, the, um, long exposure photography. So you had to sit very still for a certain amount of time. Um, I guess with, with the children, their solution was if they wanted portraits of their children to have the mother's throw a fabric or some, 
always looked like upholstery fabric or a curtain, something to conceal them while they're holding the children still. But when I first saw it, I was just like, just so floored, not only because I love things that are creepy. <laughs> um, and the Victorians have a ton of it. Like they sure do. They like, they have a monopoly on that. <laughs> yeah, like the morn the morning jewelry, the yeah. you know, with the hair. The, yes, um, yes. Oh. Oh, just I love it all. Um <laughs> so I loved the creepiness of it. I loved that I'm like, this is wild. Like they're trying to camouflage themselves, but they're actually making themselves stand out even more. Like you can't you can't not see that. Yeah. <laughs> And then they end up looking like these ghosts, you know, and it's like becomes this really, you know, creepy kind of thing. Um, and it also just had me just go off on thinking about all the different roles of the mother because I was like, why does the mother have to be hidden? Why can't the mother be in the photo, you know? And I started thinking about all of the things like that my identity as a mother and role as a mother and how so many things are done you know, unseen or yeah, behind the scenes. Yeah. So that's kind of what sparked it for me. I just Uh, love it so much when you sent me the, because I, I'd never heard of this insane phenomenon. And then you sent me a few examples and I was like, this is crazy town. And what it made me think of was I remember when I was pregnant and you know, I was like winning my design awards. I was very much, you know, Danielle and my mom said, uh, my mom, we, we have three kids in our family. And my mom said to me um, when I was pregnant, she said, you know, it's wonderful. I was so, and she knew I was so excited to be a mom. And she said, but you need to keep something of you because you will very quickly become Charlie's mom. Yeah. And people won't know anything about Danielle unless you put the effort in to make sure that Danielle stays, you know, keep something for yourself, whatever that is. And she suggested it be my art or whatever. And um, I remember like a couple of years, so I I quit my job and I stayed home with him till he started kindergarten. And I remember being at the park like two years in and there were moms who I had no idea what their first names was, but I'd known them for two years, but it was Ethan's mom. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, I bet I am Charlie's mom to them, you know, like, and uh, I started Jealous Curator when Charlie was about two and a half because I really needed that thing that was mine. And so, um, I don't like that might not have been your intent with the series, but what I love is that about art is that people have their own interpretations. Like it's going to strike a chord with different people for different reasons. Right. And for me, that was exactly where my mind went was that I felt like I was hidden. I was no longer Danielle. I was Charlie's mom. And the focus was all on this like little blonde, you know, cherub that was supposed to be, you know, taken care of. And I I love my job as his mom. Like that's, I'm so honored that I get to do it, but yeah, you need yourself in there too. You don't want to have a piece of um, flowered fabric over your head. (laughs) Yeah. And that's exactly what the series is about is that, and that's why there's no children in it. Right. Because, because it actually is totally about the mother, and I and I I feel like, um, I I love the concealing aspect because I think when you hide something, that actually makes people more curious about yeah what is being hidden and why yeah and why yeah so then then that you know I like to add all the little elements so the the 
it's really a portrait series about the mothers and the things, the parts of their identity or their selves that get overshadowed through their role as a mother. So how many, how many are in the series now? Um, so do you even know? Well, my, my series, um, my first series that was shown at Paradigm in Philly in, uh, July, uh, those were, um, all self-portraits except for one. And that actually kind of started with, um, Kelly Cosma who, um, yeah, cause you, the, yeah was she in the show with you or was that? She a was in the show. Yeah, yeah. She was in the show. Um, yeah, it was her, um, me and Han Cal, who does the embroidery oh, right. on, on, uh, postcards and, yes. um, and Kelly, uh, she was actually the one that had this, this crazy idea to actually make, um, a quilt with her, her punched paper. Yes. Quilt. I saw, and then, I saw that I did a post about it. I'll put that in our, in the post for this too. And I was so curious about that because. I I had assumed, I guess correctly, that they were all self-portraits up until then. Yeah. And then- And a lot, I mean, the self-portrait thing was because I was working through it, you know, like the whole concept at using myself as, you know. Yeah. um, Figuring it all out. But also, I mean, as you know, it's a, a lot easier to get reference photos of yourself of yourself because you are available all the time and the thing I liked about it too the thing I also like about the hidden mother series is that um because the the actual identity of the person is concealed that I feel like it helps people be able to relate and put themselves under that fabric maybe more than you know so how did it feel doing the the piece uh, with Kelly oh it was magical yeah like well we were just so symbiotic like every the whole way through it was just mm-hmm. was like the best collaboration so and you um, sold out that show yeah let's throw that in and <laughs> yeah. didn't you just sell out another one like didn't you just have another I, one? I really I released the um a very small collection on my own the shapes right the triangles the, the uh it was the the landscapes with the the rainbows oh yeah see them. there was those but then there was the ones that you did that or was the triangle one, was that in the no, show with Kelly? That was in the show with Kelly. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. It's all, I can't believe it's only been a year because I feel like, okay, so you didn't answer the question. How oh. many have you made? <laughs> well, uh, let's see. There were, I mean, there were 12 pieces in that, but some of them were the, the minis. Um, the collection I'm working on right now, I'm just trying to get as many made as I possibly can for this next show, mm-hmm. um, which is in April. But um, I reached out as you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to other, other mothers to model for me. How many mothers are, are doing it? Uh, I have, um, so far I made a list, but I don't know where that list is. Um, <laughs> I think I have eight, eight so far that I either, that I have a photo or I've started working on it. Um, I'm so the, honored when you, when you, cause I, I knew that most of them had been self portraits up to a point and I mean, why couldn't they all be right? Cause you're under a sheet. But, um, when you messaged me and said, Hey, would you do this? I was so excited. 
I went straight to my local value. Village oh my gosh. I know. I was so honored <laughs> to, look for, <laughs> to look for bedding. And then I was like, mm, I don't want to buy bedding from value village. So <laughs> I went to the tablecloth aisle <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. It was like the universe sent me there that day because I found this tablecloth that looked yeah. a lot like this wallpaper that my grandmother had had, um, in the bedroom that my sister and I used to stay in. And so I was like, Oh my God, done. And it was $5. And, uh, and so, yeah, I kind of, and it, for me, it came together really easily because I've just had a hysterectomy yes, and had, well, I still have my ovaries, but I had my uterus removed, which is informing my work hugely right, right. now because it's just really weird. It's all yeah. just really weird to think about. And so having you on the podcast, talking about motherhood, being involved in this series, like seriously, I am so I cannot wait to see it. I'm so honored to, to, you know, be in the series. It's just crazy. Oh, I hope I don't let you down. I hope um, so too. I'm, I'm so, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the honored one. Actually, that's the thing about this that has been even more magical than I even anticipated um, was by reaching out to other women. And so far, everybody that I've asked is cre- like a creative in some way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's multiple reasons for that one. I just happen to be friends with a lot of creative people, but, um, I feel like, I feel like everybody that I've asked kind of gets it, like mm-hmm. understands what I'm, I'm going for, but also you get awesome. I mean, when you ask an artist to take reference photos, you get awesome. <laughs> photos, first of all, <laughs> but also the thing that I didn't really expect was that by asking somebody to do this and then, and then taking the time to discuss their story or have them think about it and, and do the photo shoot themselves is that it almost is, it's sparking the thing that often gets hidden. Yeah. It's become like a, you know, um, it's kind you're doing, you're doing art therapy on all of well, us. I mean, n- yes. And I mean, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. yes, I feel no, like that, I feel like that that makes me connect to the, to the art therapist yeah. part of myself. Too. Well, and then you sent me a, like, so I sent you the, I sent you two photos with holding different things so that you could decide. Cause again, as an artist, I know it's nice to have options. Yeah. And, um, and then you wrote me back with your interpretation of, of what you wanted to do and is, was this right? And is this what I was trying to convey? And I, you just completely got it. I got all teary eyed reading oh. the DM and, uh, I was just like, I can't wait to see it. Like, it's just so neat because I mean, I haven't, because I'm an artist, I haven't been particularly private about, about the hysterectomy because for me, same thing. I need to talk about, if I talk about it, I feel better. Um, so, but it's just so neat to hand it over to someone else and see what they'll do with that information. It's it's really, really cool. And so when is that show April? It is in April. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got your list there to look. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. April. I'm looking. And you so, can tell I'm what? Looking. What's your goal? How many pieces do you want in that show? <sighs> how much do I want? And <laughs> yeah, how much do you want, and how much do you think will actually be in there? Um. Well, I need at least twelve. Yeah. Um. I would like to have like sixteen. I'm working a little, you know, like a little bigger I think like the last show that I had there I had I had six like mini paintings and this time I'm kind of working at the larger size for all of them so so how's it going you only have a few months left should I tell you that I don't want to think about I'm very I'm I'm 
I mean, like, I don't sleep at night because I was like laying there <laughs> after working in the studio. I'm like, I need to do this. Um, but yeah, I'll do it. I'm determined. I know you are. So you've got that big date coming up. Um, and there's another very big date that you have coming up. Yeah. Should we tell people about that? <laughs> um, that I'm pregnant? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 18 S- weeks today. So amazing and exciting. Thank you. Oh, it was a, it was a very unexpected. Of course. An unexpected surprise that, of course, only 2020 could bring. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but after – so seven miscarriages in total. Yeah. And now – You've got this little person coming. Yeah. When are you due? Uh, June 10th is my due date. Oh my gosh. So yeah, exciting. So. And what does Nia think of it? Oh, she's really excited. So I actually, uh, after I had a few miscarriages after um, having Nia, I started going to fertility treatment to see like what's, what's going on, and, which they never figured out why it was happening. Oh. Um, and after I think my my seventh my seventh miscarriage was like a year and a half to two years ago maybe, and I just like my heart couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that I gave up hope. I just had to like I had to take it off the table. Right. Like I had I just I realized now I just needed to like I had so much trauma that I could like from all that that I just. That's so much loss. That is so much loss. And yeah, yeah. I I just, I I didn't even want it to be an option anymore. I couldn't, you know, Mm -hmm. and we really had, uh, at least I had accepted. I was like, okay, I'm going to have one kid. And, um, I remember you were one of my inspirations. I'm like, Danielle has one kid. Like, that's great. And I was (laughs) like, you know what? I was like, my art is going to be my second kid Mm -hmm. and that's, and that's okay. Like that's going to, you know, so yeah, I just took it off the table. And so this was a surprise. I mean, it's a happy surprise, but I just think it's crazy because when I look back at, I still remember like doing dishes and listening to your podcast and, and putting it in the universe. Like I, I think you were interviewing a mother who had either just had a baby or she was like pregnant going to be, and she was, she was getting a show ready. Mm. And I remember thinking like, I want that. I want that challenge. And like, here I am now. (laughs) After, (laughs) yeah, after I, after my, uh, paradigm show I have in the fall, I have, I'm supposed to have a show with, uh, um, another artist, Tara, Tara Centibear. Uh, Oh, I love her. Didn't she just have a baby? She did. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I love her too. She's amazing. Um, yeah, so she invited me to participate in a two-person thing, but we're actually going to be collaborating with some other artists for that as well. But that oh, will be good. in the fall. So somehow I'm going to have to do a whole other collection. <laughs> yeah, you are. I'm um, up for the challenge. <laughs> anyway, do you have to pee? I mean, I kind of do, but I was going to we- say you kind of look like you have to pee. <laughs> she, you guys, she warned me ahead of time. She's like, because I knew she was great. She's like, okay, I. I'm going to see if I can get all the way through this without peeing. And now she's kind of moving around in her seat quite a bit. So I think it's time for the not so speedy. Yeah. It's time for the not so speedy. Well, maybe it will be the speedy speed round so we can get into the bathroom. So, okay. Ready? (laughs) Okay. Okay. You know what I'm going to ask? Coffee or tea? Coffee. Love it. All the way. Sweet or salty? 
right now is that all out the window it's whatever <laughs> uh <laughs> i mean i'm always always sweet number okay. one but yeah, yeah. i have Do you i, any I weird have cravings right now or no uh i never really get any weird cravings um i mean i get like that insatiable hunger i work right. in the studio really late that's when I get all my work done. So, you know, every once in a while I'm like, okay, now I need to go eat a whole bag of tortilla chips. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's definitely okay. chips in there. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I was pregnant, I was so, so sick. I know you're not sick. You're so lucky. I was so sick. The only thing I'd throw up water. The only thing I could keep down were cinnamon buns. Mm, I remember you talking about that. Yeah. That's- and Charlie doesn't like them. I'm like, you better like them. This saved your life. This is the only reason you're here is because I survived on cinnamon buns, but did you get them at the mall, like the Cinnabon or whatever? No, you guys have we, one have of those? A, we have a bakery here called Cobbs um, on the West Coast. Oh my God, they're so, my mouth is now watering. They're so <laughs> fat and juicy. And then they have icing on top. And I, I just would hold them and smell them. Like that would stop me from throwing up as if I could just smell a cinnamon bun. Well, now I want one. Well, you can have one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can. You're the mall's closed. One. Oh, damn. <laughs> Do you know anyone that bakes? Make them do it for you. My sister is a really good baker, but okay. my, my mom's been baking a lot. But Okay, order them up. Order them up. Um, okay, and final question. Have you ever skinny dipped? Yes. Because of all of your naked um, figures that when I first found you. So you have yeah. skinny dipped. I have. Um, but I'm trying to think how many times. I feel like there have to have been more than one. <laughs> the one time I can remember was actually in high school. And there was this girl, we all were like sleeping over and we all skinny dipped in her pool. Nice. What about that camp? What about your camp or your banner? Were you too young? Oh, that was fifth grade. Yeah, that would be, that would have been and a that scandal. And that was a school, that was a school event. Okay, no. Yeah. We would, then that would have really Although been Although the place sass. was run, the place was run by a bunch of hippies. It was so great. Um <laughs> And I'm sure that they all skinny dipped like after hours. Sure. Yeah. I just figured there was lots of nude figures. I'm like, I'm sure she's done it. Um, I, I have skinny dipped many a time in many lakes and whatnot, but, uh, at my wedding, we got married on this little Island and my bridesmaid, we call her the bad bridesmaid had convinced all of the other bridesmaids at like one in the morning to strip out of all of their bridesmaids dresses and jump off the dock into the river. And, uh, but just as they were unzipping, um, we had a bus because we were out in the middle of the forest. We'd arranged a bus to pick everyone up at 1 a.m. Uh-huh. and take them back to the city. So they're all unzipping as the entire wedding was now coming out of the building to go get awesome. on the bus. So they got interrupted. They didn't get to do it. Oh, that yeah. would have been great if it were, they were caught mid. I know. Or if they were in the water and then like people took their yeah. clothes. It would have been great. It would have been a great wedding story. Have you skinny oh. dipped in an ocean? I don't think I've ever done that. That would be fun. Ocean. I'm going to say yes. 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 Pacific Ocean. Oh, Oh, you just did the polar, the polar dive thing. Yeah. That's in our lake. I've never done, I've never done a polar dip before. I felt like I really needed to wash 2020 off of me. I really like with the surgery and everything. I've never done one, but a friend of mine, they were going down there and they're like, do you want to do it? And I was like, well, it's winter in Canada. This seems really like a bad idea. But Charlie was all in, so Greg thought we were nuts. He refused to do it. But yeah. Charlie and I did it. 
Charlie actually dove all the way in. I got up to about like the incision and I was like, no. Oh man. Can we talk? I saw, I think I saw a picture. Can we talk about how tall Charlie is? Yeah. He's six, three. That's crazy. He's 14 years old. Oh my gosh. I tried to like, I I always like to kiss him on top of his head. I have to make him squat down now. But he's still my baby. He's yeah, just at least gigantic. He, still, he still lets you kiss him on the top of his head. That's yes, nice. he's very, he is a mo- like, he will be a mama's boy forever. And um, he and I'm, I've, well, I haven't announced this yet, but I'm, I'm joining a podcast network later this year cool. with my good friend, Andy J. Pizza. Oh, I nice. know. And I hope I'm allowed to talk about it. I'll ask him and I'll cut this out <laughs> if I'm not, but we're going to start soon. And uh, so for all of the ads, Greg and Charlie are going to do the ad reads. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Hilarious. And he's, yeah. to have a 14-year-old who's like totally into that, most yeah. 14-year-old boys would be like, no. He was like, okay. So I'm like, I think there's going to be accents. I'm very excited. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I, I feel like you're really starting to squirm now. No, 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 no. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. I, I'm-, <laughs> I'm very aware. I'm very aware of the pregnant lady. <laughs> Um, well, I can't believe it's taken us this long to do this, but I'm so happy that you came on the podcast. I know a lot more about you now. I know. Everyone about you too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes I forget that we're recording and I just tell stories and then I'm like, oh, this was an interview with Sarah. Why am I telling my birth story? That's why everybody loves you, Danielle. (laughs) Because I just keep talking. (laughs) Yeah. Oh dear God! That, um, you're just so you're so comfortable and approachable. And oh, you. We started off uh, with the gushing. We'll finish. I know. With the Let's end with the gushing. Yeah. Because I actually, um, on my timeline, I have that. Um, <laughs> I actually made a wish list, like because oh, because I had put out in the universe that I wanted to be featured by you, and then it happened not long after. I was like, well, there is something to this. Right. Let's so make I'm a gonna, bigger list. I'm going to write it down. And I was curious after you asked me to come on the podcast, I was like, oh, where's that list? Okay. So October of 2017, I made my list and number one was being interviewed for this podcast. Oh boy. But now what do I, now I have to put some more stuff on there. Yeah. What oh, and next? the other thing is Paradigm was on there. I hadn't shown there yet. And I think that you are the reason that I know about Paradigm. Maybe I love them because I, um, I was in the Philadelphia area, but I had just moved back. I didn't really know about, you know, and I just had a kid, so I wasn't really looking into galleries to show it, but, um, I think it was your interview with Seth Clark. Yes. And I was like, Oh, they're in Philly. Let me check them out. And then I just like loved all of the artists that they were showing and you've shown there, right? Yeah. I was in their paper show. I, I did two pieces with them for that and they have the best roster. Like, Oh, I, they're my dream gallery. And the fact that I get to show with them and that they're so close and they're just amazing. Sarah and Jason are amazing to work with. And also I keep forgetting that my last hidden mother collection was during the pandemic because it was so successful because they they did not miss a beat with like a lot of galleries had to take a pause and be like, how are we going to deal with all this? Not them. They, they instantly, like, they have, like, I don't know if you've seen their setup, but they do the virtual openings now, yeah. which are amazing. And they do the virtual tour and yeah. all of that. So it's, good. It's so it's so tight, and their shows are always so well curated. And when I saw that you were doing that show with Kelly there in the summer, I was like, that's perfect. And I love that you're doing this one now, too. And 
Oh, I cannot like no pressure, but I cannot wait to see mine. I will. Um, are you going to reveal who the people are? Like, are you going to in the titles or anything? Are you going to say anything? That's a good ab- question. I mean, uh, well, that would be cool if everybody's open to that. I actually think it would be or may, or or not in like I like that you know the thing that you said about how people can relate because there is no actual person. Who knows? You'll figure it out at about probably two in the morning, halfway through a bag of yeah chips. I do really like having parentheses with my titles. Yeah. So maybe that will be the parentheses. Yeah. Yeah. Or even first names or but yeah. I'm yeah. excited. I can't. And oh, the idea that you came back with after my photo, your idea just like whoop took it to like a whole new level. And I cannot like it's. And I can't wait to show people. Oh my oh, god! Oh god! You. I'm gonna. Have to, I, I wrote you the other day and said I'm gonna have. I gotta buy this thing. I gotta start saving my pennies so that I can have it. It's just <laughs> gonna be. It's just my story made by you. It's just very emotional and amazing. Oh, that's an honor. Thank you. Okay, now I'm going to let you go. So A, you can pee, and B, you can go get Mia at your mom's house. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. And keep me posted. Well, of course, we'll be messaging because of the painting. I'm very excited, as you can tell, because I've said that 12,000 times. And um, good luck with getting ready for April and June. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. You're welcome. um, I'll see you on Instagram. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, we have done a lot of things on this podcast, but never, ever have we had a pregnancy announcement. (laughs) I am so ridiculously happy for Sarah and her family. Now, what I'm not happy about is that I totally forgot to ask her about all of the rainbows in her work. What do they mean? Oh my gosh. Don't worry though, I found out. She posted a little story about it on Instagram, so I'm going to read that to you. Ready? Rainbows started to appear in my work slightly before I began my Hidden Mother series. To understand why I was being pulled in this direction, I started to research the rainbow as an archetype. I stumbled across the Creative Rainbow Mother archetype, which led me to the discovery of the book, The Rainbow Way, by Lucy H. Pierce. She's also that on Instagram, Lucy H. Pierce. In that book, I found the description that validated my experience as a mother. Okay, and I'm going to read that for you now too. The rainbow mother is often perceived, either in her own mind or those of others, as a misfit. A dreamer, a creatrix, she's always fluttering like a butterfly from one project to another, always trying new things. She regularly needs to descend into her creative depths, bringing visions between the physical world and the dream time. And then there's another paragraph highlighted here. A creative rainbow mother's home, despite her often being a real homebody, tends to reflect her abundant yet chaotic approach to life with half-finished projects, creative materials and inspiration and mess all around her. She does not prioritize housework over soul work. How beautiful is all of that? Ah, so perfect. Okay, now I am fully happy because we got that explained. Be sure to keep an eye on Sarah's Instagram feed, SD, for Sarah Detweiler, SD underscore artifacts. Um, There you're going to find information on everything she's doing, including all of the work for her April show at Paradigm Gallery in Philadelphia. I can't believe I'm going to be in it. 
I wish I could go to the opening covered in the tablecloth that I bought at the thrift shop. Anywho, thank you so much to Sarah for oversharing. <laughs> and don't forget, if you are a female identifying artist and you want to be part of our in tandem community slash experiment, check out the one pager on my site, thegelscurator.com, and then start using the hashtag in tandem art 2021 to see who's involved and what they're doing. Oh, I am so excited to see where this goes, and I hope you come along for the ride. All right, I guess that's that. In tandem announced, Sarah's pregnancy announced, rainbows explained. Yep, okay. The only thing left is to say thank you so much for listening to yet another episode. There will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then. <laughs>